knives, machetes, saws, and shears, multi-tools, shovels, swords, axes, spears, hatchets, and tomahawks. If it cuts, snips, slices, or chops, Midway USA has it. Find great gift ideas in our huge selection of pocket knives and other everyday carry folding knives. Make a statement or create a family legacy with one of our top-of-the-line hunting knives. We've got a great selection of manual and electric sharpeners, too. For just about everything for the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit Tacovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots as well as free returns and exchanges and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. From the nation's capital, this is the Fly Fishing Consultant Podcast with your host, Rob Snow White. My name is Rob Snow White, and this is part two of my Maryland trout day trip. Last episode, I left you as I was driving north under I-70 towards the mountains. It was a fun and beautiful drive up the western slope, and I did not end up blue lining any streams. Instead, I headed right for the park. The listener of the week is Scott C., and this week, Jonathan and I are going to be doing some intro to fly fishing to get him ready to get him ready for the shad season. That's going to be 80 degrees on February 25th this week, so I'm assuming we're going to get into some herring. Everything is blossoming around Northern Virginia, and it's going to be 65 today. I want to get this recorded before the wind starts. We're going to have 20 to 30 mile an hour winds with gusts up to 50. So we may lose power, which means no internet and no uploading. So I'm going to try and get this done before the weather changes. I took the top off of my drift boat, so all the leaves in there might blow out today and just make it easier for spring cleaning. Big Hunting Creek. I don't remember passing Big Hunting Creek at all as a kid. I would drive north on 15 to go to sleepaway camp in the Poconos or to visit cousins in Pennsylvania. But that stream, I have no recollection of it. 
I first heard of Big Hunting Creek, and I may just call it BHC in this podcast, on a segment on Channel 9 News. One of the anchors was fishing the Joe Brooks Memorial section of the stream with Maryland's then fly fishing governor, William Donald Schaefer. They used glow bugs, and I remember they weren't too proud about using the glow bugs. They were embarrassed. That's my memory. And this is famous water. This is hallowed water. Presidents and their guests, authors, pioneers in fly fishing, shop rats, new anglers, TV shows, documentaries, and more have fished, written about, filmed, and spent time on this water. In no way am I blowing this spot up. There's a gentleman on the old busy forum of the title Potomac Fly Rodders, and he would get very upset if you ever mentioned Big Hunting Creek because he thought you were blowing it up. I'm not blowing it up. I heard of it myself on TV back in the day. So the next time I encountered the stream was in high school. ESPN on Saturday mornings showed fly fishing. And there was an episode of Fly Fish America that visited the stream and the memorials along it. Then in the fall of 1999, Tom and I drove to Big Hunting Creek. Well, actually his mom drove. I'd been driving Tom everywhere because he didn't have a license and he offered to drive, but his mom drove instead. So I got to sleep in the back seat on the way home, which was fantastic. This was the time I've told stories where Tom took a step out and sank and all he saw was his hat floating and he came out and he took off his waders and he was covered in nymphs, sort of like the leeches in Stand By Me. And he was most upset that his cigarettes got wet. And he left me at the hole and he walked back up. He went to the car and switched into his mom's dry hoodie or something. And he came back and it had puppies or something on it. It was very silly. That was my first fly fishing introduction to Big Honey Creek. And I, I may have caught a fish. I don't remember at that time. And then I used to start fishing this stream weekly. Gas was really inexpensive back then. I was going to classes at night, furthering my education, and I was working at the fly shop during the day. So I could go early, fish, and then end up in the fly shop or class, or I could spend all day there, or I could work a morning shift, drive there before traffic. It might take you an hour plus just to go 50 miles from DC to Frederick, and then it's another 20 minutes or so up. It's very close and accessible. I knew where all the fish were. It was so much fun to fish there. Dries, streamers, nymphs. I took my friend Chris Greger up there a couple times. New shop employees. There was one girl who used to work for the shop. I think her name was Maggie. She liked to drink screwdrivers out of orange juice bottles. Most of her shifts. I don't think a lot of us knew it at the time. I took her up there one day. And there was a kid who used to visit the shop, didn't have a car, didn't have a lot of gear. So I would drive him and he would tag along with me. I have no idea his name. He's probably grown now with kids. If you want further information that you can read, there are a couple of books. Uh, you can read the Fly Fishing Through the Midlife Crisis book by Howell Rains, which goes into great details about this stream. I have with me the Guide to Maryland Trout Fishing, the Catch and Release Streams, the most in-depth coverage of the best waters in Maryland by Charlie Gelso and my buddy Larry Coburn. And I bumped into Charlie two years ago when I was fishing on the Yellow Breaches before I interviewed my buddy Bill Skilton. And it was really weird and fun and odd to bump into somebody. These streams around here, there's not a lot of them, but the popular ones, you will bump into people that you may or may not know. Just think that I bumped into Preston last week. 
And the last book I recommend is Steve Moore's, a.k.a. Switch Fisher. You can find his very in-depth blogs and such online. This is the Maryland Trout Fishing Book, the Catch Guide series, the Stocked and Wild River Streams, Lakes, and Ponds. And it's about an inch thick. It's very detailed. This guy was ahead of his time. If you would like to listen to more about Big Hundy Creek, you can go to my buddy Matthew's podcast, and it is also on Waypoint TV, and that's Casting Across. It's 11.29. I just pulled into the Joe Brooks parking lot along Big Hunting Creek, thinking I might have to take the one weight out here like I used to. This is where I, as you can see, cut my teeth on trout fishing. I'm taking a net with me, taking my boxes of dries, we go look for some fun. I can always come back and get the one weight and then go back out. Uh, craziest thing that's next to my car right now, there's snow. Let's go take a look. I have not seen snow since St. Patrick's Day. It's colder up here because we're in the mountains. What? Oh my gosh, listen to this. I mean, it's like icy, but... That's actual snow. So I got the get the fly on of my choice, and I'm gonna go go catch some trout. See what I can do. Big Hunting Creek is located in Thurmont, Maryland. Thurmont, Maryland has an elevation of 518 feet above sea level. It's located in Frederick County, Maryland, which is considered North Central Maryland. The stream is located along Route 77, which parallels the creek. Half the creek is going to be on the right side if you're driving uphill, and then half the creek will be on your left side if you're driving uphill. The park itself is about 1,200 feet above sea level. The park is classified as a climax deciduous forest. The trees populating the forest are at a mature age and height, providing a stable and continuous canopy. If you're doing math, you can already determine what elevation the stream is going to drop in its short path. Big Hunting Creek is a small freestone stream just 10 feet wide in the headwaters above Cunningham Falls and 17 to 30 feet wide, according to Larry Coburn, in its width at the lower park boundary. The upper one-third of the tailwater has a gentle gradient with slow runs and a meandering channel. The upper section is basically falls to Camp Peniel Bridge. The lower section is going to be Camp Peniel Bridge down to the bottom. And the gradient below Camp Peniel Bridge increases with an abundance of plunge pools and pocket water. Brown trout are found throughout the watershed from the tiny headwaters downstream through the town of Thurmont. Browns have not been stocked there in 1977. Stocked trout can average over one pound. This stream is restricted to catch and release fly fishing only. The town of Thurmont, Maryland was originally incorporated as the town of Mechanicstown in 1751. It reflected the name of the place, which is where the mechanized devices related to the production of iron were manufactured and maintained. The original name was possibly confused with other neighboring towns and cities. The name Thermont is derived from Tour, the German word for gateway or entrance, and Mons, the Latin word for mountain, roughly translating to gateway to the mountains. When they did the big hullabaloo about naming and renaming the town, the second choice was Blue Mountain City. The area around Thermont is known for the Catoctin Furnace, 
which has a large sign on Route 15. You can't miss it, but I apparently did as a kid. The furnace was used for making pig iron and iron products from the Revolutionary War through the Civil War and up until 1903. The entire area was clear-cut to make charcoal to fuel the fires to burn and make ore. The fires in the clear-cutting further polluted the already abandoned mine-polluted streams that crisscrossed the mountains. The land was set aside in 1954 for a park to put people to work. They wanted to put the forest back together, which would bring people, and people bring money. The lake was formed in 1971 for water supply. The lake itself drains 6.95 square miles. These are the blue lining streams that I mentioned about. The formation of the lake caused numerous issues downstream for several years, including invertebrate life distribution and disruption. So I don't know if you can hear right now, but there's a third Sikorsky flying in. There was a Blackhawk doing very low circles out here. No, they're not looking for me. I'm up near Camp David. The last time a president came through when I was up here, I think it was when Elian Gonzalez was hanging out with Bill Clinton and the motorcade went by us. But three of them, that's not practicing takeoff and landing. He's probably up here for the weekend. And aren't they Eagles fans? I think the Eagles are playing in the football games today. Maybe that's what he's doing up here. I don't know, but it's always interesting to fish when there's a president around. I don't know if you can hear the water, but it's, it's real pretty up here. The water's low. A lot of fun reading water here. A lot of structure. It's beautiful. Really pretty day out here. And I got the whole place to myself, apparently. You may be familiar with Camp David. It was originally known as High Catoctin, located at 1,700 feet above sea level. The facility was built as a camp for federal government agents and their families by the Works Progress Administration. Construction started around 1935 and it was completed in 1938. In 1942, President Franklin D. Roosevelt converted it to a presidential retreat and named it Shangri-La. You may know it from films such as Olympus Has Fallen and the area from Clear and Present Danger. Big Hunting Creek is the first fly fishing only stream in Maryland. Big Hunting Creek is one of the first streams in the state to be stocked with trout. The 1960s, the stream became the first catch and return trout fishing area. It was also the first stream to be designated a fly fishing only stream and then the entire stream within the state and federal parks was declared a catch and return fly fishing only trout fishing area in 1974. The tailwater was formed by damming up the mountain springs. All stocking upstream of Cunningham Falls Reservoir was discontinued in 1975 to encourage the development of wild trout populations where we're stopping the stocking of browns over brook trout. And I should have told you this earlier, the first time I actually went to the park was in 1993. I had just come back from South America and I was a camp counselor and I took a group of students overnight to the forest and we camped out and the next morning we went down to climb the waterfalls and who do I see halfway up the waterfalls with his younger sister? It's my buddy, Steve Sclaru. And all of this, the, the podcast, the fly, everything Steve Sclaru is responsible for. He put sex, death, and fly fishing in my hand in the summer of 1993 and put a rod in the other with a clouser on the end and pow, 
things just changed. I thought that was weird because you bump into people fishing locally, but usually not on streams like that. Though, again, I bumped into Matt Supinski in Pennsylvania on Big Spring, a.k.a. The Ditch. You bump into people on streams here, it's just strange. The catch and release section of Big Honey Creek is 2.5 miles long. So if you want to do elevation drop plus length, you could graph it out somehow. The stream is always flowing, even at its lowest throughout summer. You can catch fish year-round in Big Hunting Creek, which makes it an exceptional spot for people that live in Northern Virginia, Maryland, and Washington, D.C. The legal minimum flow is 1.5 cubic feet per second. It flows on the east side of the Contoctans, where it generates at the top before it goes over from the western. It parallels Route 77, and there are lots of pull-offs and parking lots. Big Hunting Creek supports one of the strongest populations of wild brown trout in the entire state of Maryland. It has brook browns and rainbows. I thought I saw bluegill. I once saw a huge dead bass in there. And again, the browns have not been restocked since before I was born. The traditional aquatic insect hatches are going to be your mayflies, your caddisflies, your stoneflies. I've seen salamanders in there, and there's plenty of minnows. Well, I'm at the top of the fishing spot. This huge hole comes out of a tunnel now. It used to come out of a pipe. You would stand on the pipe and just cast out here. My first trip up here, that must have been fall of 99, I threw a huge beadhead woolly bugger. In fact, it's the same one I caught my largest smallmouth in the Potomac on. Not the four-mile run smallmouth, but the one at Scott's Run. And I threw it out, and I stripped, 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 and this gigantic behemoth 20-plus incher came up, and I set the hook before it bit. And that's when people say you're supposed to say a Hail Mary or something. I don't know what that means because I'm Jewish, but you're supposed to wait sometimes. So I missed that fish. I walked up here. I'm glad I wore my cleats. And I am now going to start going back down to my car. I'm not going to fish this stretch at all. I'm just going to get back down and then I'm going to go to the canyon section and fish more pocket water. I'm hoping that the canyon is going to have some deeper holes. It's nice up here. It's, it's warmed up. I can confirm that the president's in town because... I'm at the top of this hole right now talking to two guys, one from Wisconsin, one from Minnesota, and they're looking for a fishing spot. So we were talking for a minute. I asked if they saw the helicopters. They're like, yeah, and as we're talking, it just got really loud outside. And, hold on, I'm taking a picture. Come on. Every single tree is catching my rod today. So as we're talking, this really loud plane starts flying over. And I'm thinking there's no planes flying over this area because the president's up here, right? It's clear sky. And this gigantic plane comes through the clouds really low. Four engines on it. And it is a behemoth of an airplane. I don't know where he would land that up here to take off from or where he just got helicoptered to, but I'm pretty sure when I check the president's online schedule that it'll say he was at Camp David. But yeah, you can always see where the president is every day. That's how you can confirm if his plane's flying over. So as you can hear, I'm walking downstream. 
the water's definitely low. A lot of the same structure exists from the last time I was here. The only fish I can confirm seeing, I think, was a bluegill. So I'm getting a lot of steps in today. It's definitely getting a little hot inside the waders and the down layers. But everyone needs some exercise. So my game plan is just keep going down, down, downhill. Maybe go park further down, walk downstream and fish my way up. We'll see how it goes. And I used to be able to fish this place with my eyes closed. I knew each hole I'd be able to pull a trout out of with a bacon fly or with just a white wolf or a little Adam's wolf. And that's about it. It's good for the soul to be out here. It's good to be in the woods. Fishing is the priority, but catching a fish is not. And when I see that rising trout today that I've been looking for, I'm gonna pretend I've got a cigar and an Armagnac and I'm gonna sit down and watch. And I'm starting to lose my breath from all this walking now. Remember, I got a huge backpack on. If you're ever out fishing around here and you see some goon with a huge backpack that looks like they're gonna jump out of an airplane, it's me. Earlier, I told you there were memorials and parking lots that have names along the stream. And the first one I ever encountered was on that episode of Fly Fish America, probably junior year of high school. Probably was getting up before I had to go to work at the Smithsonian Insect Museum. That's what I did on Saturdays back in high school. That large-ish structure is found above the Joe Brooks parking lot and across the street from the Cunningham Falls Park Visitor Center, which has restrooms and facilities if you need them. So what is the Brotherhood of the Jungle Cock? Back in the winter of 1939, a group of blizzard-stranded anglers were in a cold cabin, and somehow they decided to form an organization that night. This organization's sole purpose was passing on the tradition of fishing and the responsibilities that go with it to the next generation. The group were inspired by the Maryland State Game and Fish Protective Association's publication entitled The Junior Outdoorsman. This was a successful gathering of anglers. They decided to repeat the weekend fishing foray the following year, dubbing it the Angler's Campfire. The groundwork for the formation of the Brotherhood was teaching youngsters about fishing and conservation of natural resources. The group returned to Big Honey Creek in 1940 and the organization had a creed and a name, Brotherhood of the Jungle Cock. The Brotherhood symbol is a waxed, golden-eyed, black-necked feather from the male Asiatic jungle fowl. Frank Bentz is the second founding member with Joe Brooks Jr. being recognized as the third founding member. In 1953, a memorial to the Brotherhood of the Jungle Cock was unveiled. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hourly checkup, it's five minutes to one. I am down below where Big Honey Creek crosses the road. 
there's two guys fishing right at that bridge, right below it. And there's also a couple guys down here. So I went downriver, pulled over, and I walked downstream hoping to fish up to my car. And the hole above me where I walk in, there's a jabroni standing there throwing a fly line. I look up, at 30 yards above him is another jabroni. So as you can hear, I'm walking up the mountain, trying to leapfrog around them, and then I'm gonna have to fish way above my car, and then I'll walk downhill. So let's see if I go in here. I'm not too worried about snakes right now. Normally in the summer, I would be very cautious up here. So this is where I have to climb down into this canyon. So a little more velocity to the water in here because of the canyon. And there are side creeks coming in, so more water. This is absolutely stunning from up here. Hemlocks, runny water. There's a big boulder. This hole is like fishing somewhere out west. I'm glad I'm wearing my cleats. So I can see the jabroni below me by the big white net dangling from him. And yep, I got this water to myself, so I'm going in. It's starting to rain. You probably hear the water getting louder. I've always loved to fish pocket water. Every couple of steps is a new adventure. Some rhododendron. All right, I am well above them. And I'm going to start fishing now. Let's say you're listening to this and it's inspiring you to go to Big Hunting Creek. What should you expect if you go there? Well, the brown trout are wild brown trout. They're not native browns. There's a difference. Native fish come from the place where they evolved and currently live. That would be Europe. Brown trout were stocked here and then stop stocking happened, if that makes sense, a long time ago. So if you were to catch a bejeweled brown trout in this stream, it is wild. The parents reproduced it naturally in that stream, but it did not naturally derive there. This is brook trout habitat, brook char. It's an open stream shore, so you're not really going to hook a whole lot of branches along the stream, if you're careful. It is mostly a full canopy of hardwoods and hemlocks. When I was there, it was still lush and green with all of those hemlocks. There was a stand of hemlocks that were fenced off, and a lot of trees had markings on them that are being studied by somebody so they can come back and check on them. The body of the water, it has long runs, which will be periodically separated with rocks of all sizes along the shore in the water. Don't forget, do not ever neglect to throw a fly, a nice pillowy dry fly, a couple feet in front of a rock in the middle of a stream. And there are plunge pools. Some of them are a couple inches. Some of them are several feet. I would suggest you wear boots with cleats on them. I had cleats on my boots and it allowed me to scramble over rocks. It was as if I was in 11 mile canyon out in Colorado. The bottom section is very physical. There's a lot of hiding spots. There's more hiding spots than you're going to know to throw a fly at. So this is where analyzing streams and reading water really comes in handy. You will be able to catch fish in this stream where other fish normally wouldn't be on another stream due to the cold water, the drop in elevation, and just the physical structure along it.
There are cut banks. Some places have been eroded. Some places have trees where a rock was in the root that has been washed out. You will find cut banks here. There is and are wooden poles along it that have artificially been put in and you will find brow trout under and along those. There are more microcurrents here than you will know what to do with. This is where you learn to read water. This is where I learned to read water. I'm the trout fisherman, well, that I think I am now because I was on Big Honey Creek a lot a long time ago. There are car pullouts However, the cars that are parked there might not be anglers. So when I parked and walked downstream and encountered other anglers, I didn't know if the cars up and down the road were theirs because there were groups of hikers all over the streams. Because there were no leaves out, you could see people across the highway, way up on the hills, people behind you, people walking. It's a very busy day up there. Everyone was getting in outdoors before the football games is. There really is no need to wade. You can do all of this from the shoreline. You might want to wear waders just to stay dry and comfortable. In the summer, you're going to be sweltering. You can do it in wellies. If you can handle the cold water in the summer and other warmer seasons, just wet wade. There's no issue in wet wading there. The water's cold. It's going to feel good. Yeah, you don't have to cross, really. There's plenty of rocks and fallen trees for you to hop, skip, and jump across. And as Larry Coburn wrote, the stream is full of jewel-like gravel and pebbles, which is ideal spawning habitat. Brook brown and rainbow trout all live in here. Now, I've caught brook trout that look like stalkers. So there are some, some non-native brook trout in there, the pale ones that are really big. You never know what you're going to find in this stream. I've caught fish in here that did not fit in my net. We are talking 17, 18 inches long, and that was on a one weight with my bacon fly. I have pictures of that day. It was amazing. It's a very easy stream to fish. Just do it slow, do it methodically, and you're going to have a great time. Let's talk about fishing and the fishing possibilities there and what you might need and how to do it. This is just my personal thing. I like to park downstream, fish upstream, walk the stream down, or walk down the road or trail back to my car, drive further downstream, and repeat. This way, the fish that are facing upstream don't see me coming. But if you want to fish going downstream, you're going to see things that you won't going upstream. That's just how I do it. I love the stream because it has pocket water. You can pick apart lots of little things and just practice the accuracy of being a fly angler that you've been working so hard at doing. It's an amazing stream with lots of little places to throw a fly. And you can have the time of your life roll casting, bow and arrowing, whatever you want to do in these nooks and crannies. And it is so much fun. That structure is amazing. This was the opposite of the Beaver Creek I fished earlier in the day, where you had very few pockets, very few ripples, very few log jams. This was a slow meandering spring creek. I'm now fishing a fast flowing river as I move downstream and it's big, it's fast, it's cold, it's clear. And it was great to fish something completely different than what I had, you know, an hour or so before. The winter season, I will tell you, is a little slower. There's fewer fish, they've been stocked, they've been eaten. So you have to pay attention to the stocking schedules unless you're specifically and strictly trying to find those browns. Walking the road was not fun. There were times where it was a canyon on one side or getting hit by a car, rear view mirror on the other. 
there were some nice cars that moved into oncoming traffic when there wasn't cars coming and they went across the lane and gave me some space but along that road if you're not looking at the cars you're looking down and it was garbage from the joe brooks hole parking all the way down to that last parking spot the entire both sides the shoulders were trash bottles plastic cigarette butts drinks cartons of cigarettes just litter i don't know if people are throwing it out if it's blowing out of trucks if no one cleans it up but it was disappointing if beaver creek was pristine and clear and reminded me of fishing in england this was like fishing four mile run it was disgusting and all of that washes into the water you drink and the water you fish it was so gross at one point i was sitting down taking a break and looking at the water just catching my breath and I looked to my left and there was a dirty diaper. If I had put my hand down to stabilize myself on the bank, I would have touched a dirty diaper. And I walked up and down to my car, both sections, just litter. And it was super disappointing. Um, I couldn't have picked up the trash because I didn't really have, what are you gonna do, bend over in traffic when there's 10 inches of shoulder and then a drop off? I, I don't know what to do. Um, if there's an inordinate amount of pocket water, there's also an inordinate amount of garbage on the road. The stream luckily didn't have a whole lot of trash in it. If you're going to bring gear to fish here, this is your mountain rod stream. This is your, you can do a 6.6 three weight or two weight. I would like a eight and a half foot medium to slow action four weight would probably be ideal to fish here. I think a Tenkara rod would be absolutely brilliant here for doing dries when the sulfurs are coming off. The last time I fished there, Tenkara wasn't a thing. In my new life, I'm going to try and I'm trying to get out and fish more spots that I used to. And um, it was good to come back here. Not much of it had changed except for erosion and fewer fish than last time I was there. For your reel, yeah, like a three, four weight reel, floating line. This is double taper water, honestly, if you've got that kind of a reel in line. And I like 4X tippet. That's what I would fish here. I've broken fish off of 4X, little fish on streamers. I don't know if that was because my tippet was abraded by the rocks. And the only streamer I'm going to fish here is my bacon fly. So if it was mostly developed on, you know, like Mossy Creek, Little Juniata, and Big Honey Creek, or like the three streams where I put this fly to work. I would also carry a couple split shots because there are pools that are deep enough for you to go diving in. Your flies, basic flies are going to do this. Uh, a mix of dries, nymphs, streamers, anything you think they might eat. Tom once stripped a Hornberg upstream and caught a big old fish. Tom once stripped, which he did often, a chartreuse green weenie upriver, like a green San Juan worm. They go nuts for it. I've seen ants along this stream fall in. I've seen caterpillars fall in. I've seen the salamanders. There's a lot of food around here. You know, a long time ago, they destroyed the entire ecosystem and they were able to bring it back. It turned out I walked five miles that day and I got a mediocre sandwich on the way home. That's all I have to say about that. The next episode is going to be really fun. Guess what kind of car the next podcast interviewee drives if they're five foot two inches tall. You're going to write that down. And I'm going to leave you now with my final thoughts.
which aren't really my final thoughts, but it's the last recording I did. Thank you for downloading part two of my day trip. You can start buying your shadflies online at robsnowwhite.com. That helps promote this podcast and it helps keep this thing going after 14 something years. Thank you for listening. Share the podcast with somebody else. And I hope to bump maybe into you on the stream in 2023. I can say I fished hard today. Fished a new stream that I really haven't fished before. Learned a whole lot. Met someone who lives down the street. Checked out a new fly shop. Then I came back up here to my old stomping grounds. Did a whole lot of walking up and down. Whole lot of bouldering. Whole lot of climbing. And the big hole down below me right now, as I'm walking back, is where I got one brown trout to chase my fly. I'll have a full recap once I let all this stew in my head. I just had to wave to a car that gave me some space. Uh, the amount of garbage along this road is disgusting. That and more after I get home. Thank you for joining us for the Fly Fishing Consultant Podcast. For more information or to contact Rob, please go to www.robsnowwhite.com. podcast is brought to you by Freestone Productions at freestoneproductions.com. On Mondays, head offshore with Captain Scott Walker and Steve Roger for breathtaking deep sea adventures. Coming to me, coming to me, coming to me. Double. He's jumping, he's jumping, he's jumping. Oh! oh. Look at that belly. Don't miss Mondays with Into the Blue. Brought to you by Academy Sports and Outdoors from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern. Tell a few fish stories along the way. On Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment. You go out there and the fish are where you think they are. Any one of these casts could be the bite. It's the most exciting fishing that I know right here at Hawks Cave. Oh, that's awesome. Experience the best saltwater fishing the world has to offer. Don't miss Thursdays with Saltwater Experience. Brought to you by Golden Boat Lifts. Every Thursday night from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV. The destination for outdoor entertainment. Brave anglers search for the one they call king, but who will take his throne? Tune in to Waypoint TV's Battle for Silver, Saturday, May 18th from 12 to 6 p.m. Eastern. Presented by Abyss Battery, Waypoint TV.